Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience in Allen, Texas or at church1132.com. We're starting a new series today uh, called Take Heart, and uh, we're going to really talk about how to overcome some storms in your life, how to overcome disappointments, uh, how, how to really stir up your faith and choose uh, to be strong, how to, how to choose uh, to take heart. So this is Take Heart, uh, part one. We're going to go to Psalm 27. Psalm 27, verse 13 through 14. It'll be our text for the entire series in the upcoming weeks. It says this, I remain confident of this, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. This scripture is so packed with life. Uh, but it's interesting to note that this scripture was written by the psalmist David. And uh, when David wrote this, scholars believe that David was fleeing for his life as Saul was chasing him to kill him. Now, if you know the story about David, David was anointed to be king. David was supposed to be king. He was in line to be the next king. But, but there was, a, there was a, a process between when he was anointed and when he was placed. Now, I don't know if you know anything about God, but this sounds like God. There's a journey between where my anointing is, where my, where my calling is, where my initiation is, and actually the actuality of the promise. There is always a process between where you are and where God is taking you. And so David has been anointed king, but he doesn't have a position yet. He's anointed king, but he doesn't have a crown yet. He's anointed king, but he doesn't have any power yet. He's anointed king, but he doesn't have any people serving with him yet. He, he's, he's by himself. He's got a couple, uh, cu couple guys that have gathered themselves to him. The Bible says that they were misfits. They were in debt. They were discontented. They were in distress. They gathered them, themselves around David. And Psalm 27 they believe, scholars believe, that possibly David was hiding in a cave as he penned the words that are in Psalm 27. Now, if you don't know, Psalm 27 actually begins with, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Why shall I be afraid? I want you just to picture this David in a cave with some misfits and Saul and the army of Israel waiting to hunt him down. And David's in there writing. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the light and the strength of my life. He begins to write these words and he gets to verse 13 and he says this. He says, I remain, even though he's right there, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This is interesting because a lot of us, we know it's going to be good on the other side. You know, it's just like, just hold on till Jesus comes back, brother. Just, you know, one day we're going to be up on a cloud with a harp and everything is going to be good. But, but David made a particular statement that he says, I want to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. This, this is kind of how I feel. Like, I know God's going to do great things in our world and God has great plans for the church. But sometimes my prayer is, God, do it in my day. I, I, I want to see revival while I'm alive, in, in, in the land of the living, selfishly, I want to see what you're about to do. I want to see revival. I want to see a community turn to Jesus. I want to see the church rise up and be what God has called it to be. I want to see that. And this is what David says. I'm confident of this. 
that I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then he begins to unpack what we will unpack today. He says, wait for the Lord. Anybody love waiting? Last night we're waiting for that fight to start. And I mean, we're just, you know, it's 8 o'clock. It's like, it's coming. It's coming. This, it's brilliant because the anticipation is crazy. Like 9.30, I'm like, oh, we, oh when are they going to fight? And they show little glimpses, little flashbacks, Conor McGregor. Eh, eh, eh. I mean, they're, they're showing all this stuff. And I'm like, all, all right, like 10.30. Well, you know, we have some outages. we got to wait longer. Waiting is not fun. But I think that God has a specific plan in waiting. I really don't think that waiting is just a byproduct of poor planning on God's part. I really believe that waiting is a part of the providence and the promise of God for where he's taking us. Psalm 27 is a psalm of David, and David lived with a confidence that he would see God come through for him in his lifetime, even if he had to wait for it for a little while. We've seen this hurricane uh, Harvey hit uh, the, the Texas coast and, and to all kinds of destruction uh, all over the place. We see extreme flooding happening right now, even uh, in Houston. And we're mobilizing some of our teams and some of our, our men that are on disaster relief teams. We're mobilizing uh, our forces to try, to try to help in any way that we can. But there's mass destruction. And it was interesting just a couple weeks ago, maybe just a week ago, they were saying that a tropical storm was coming. You know, it's interesting how fast a tropical storm can turn to a hurricane. And I think the same thing is true in our lives, isn't it? It's like so, you, you can handle a storm. I mean, you can handle a good thunderstorm and a little bit of lightning, but that tropical storm can turn to a hurricane in a second. One doctor's report, one bill, one problem, one dilemma, one call, and all of a sudden the storm turns to hurricane and we have a problem and let me ask you this what do you do when the storm turns to a hurricane in your own life how do you survive it how do you survive the storms of life how do you really make it through when all hell seems to break loose around you I was watching the news this morning and I was watching as a family was waiting out of their house in Houston, and they said that the, 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 the water was rising about a stair every 20 minutes, and uh, they were in the bedroom grabbing belongings, and it was up to the bed, and it was rising rapidly, and, and they began to walk out. You know, I'm going to tell you, everything comes into perspective in the midst of a storm. They said, we're taking what we need, we're hiding upstairs our valuables, and we're leaving. You know what? If there's no storm, you take everything. But when a storm hits, you take what's valuable. See, there's actually power in a storm. There's actually, there's actually a lot of value in the battles that you fought. I think that some of the battles that David fought actually trained him for what God was taking him into. The battle wasn't even about the battle. It was about the training that came from the battle that would prepare him for the next battle. And the battle of that battle wasn't about that battle. It was training for the next battle. And maybe God's just a God of process. Maybe he does have everything worked out and planned out and scoped out. And maybe he does see you and he sees your struggle and he sees your storm and he sees the hurricanes that have hit your life and hurricanes that have hit your health and hurricanes that have hit your finances. And he sees it all and he knows. And so maybe this is why he spoke to David and David wrote these words wait for the Lord. 
Just wait on it. Well, hold up. Hold up. Wait on the Lord. I was, so I've been preparing for this series. Uh, I was looking at all kinds of, of different things, studying all kinds of different uh, ways that people are encouraged or they take heart. In. And I found this overwhelming, uh, just overwhelming amount of information about how discouragement sets in in the heart. And I actually read an article that Donald sent me about disappointment. And it said this. It said, disappointment is expecting something that's not God to be as reliable as he is. So, so, I, so I wonder why sometimes we're disappointed in life is that maybe we're expecting a human to be as consistent, as reliable as God is, and when they're not, we're disappointed. Let, let me just take it home a little bit further. We're expecting a spouse to, to be as reliable and as consistent and need-filling as God is, and when they're not, we're, we're disappointed. Whatever it may be, disappointment is about unmet expectation. Disappointment is when my expectations do not match life's realities. Or let me say it this way. Disappointment for us is inevitable. But this series takes it a step further what we're going to talk about. Disappointment is inevitable. But being disappointed is not. This is what I want to show you. Is there's a difference between being disappointed, having disappointment, having being disappointed for a moment, and stepping into a condition of disappointment. I want to challenge you to take heart. I want to challenge you to be encouraged because I know that storms will hit you. Maybe you're in one this morning. Maybe you're sitting in these seats and you're going through a storm in your own life right now. But I've got great news for you is that just because you're encountering disappointment doesn't mean that you have to live disappointed. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. We're going somewhere today. Mark chapter 10, verse 46 it's a story of blind Bartimaeus, and we began this story last Sunday as we begin to talk about faith. Faith it till you make it. And I want to pull another element from the story as we begin to unpack how to take heart, because I think this is really interesting. Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through 52, I'll read you the story for context. It says, then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city a blind man, Bartimaeus which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. Every time Jesus stops, it's a really good thing. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, and they said, Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. This is what we read last week. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. Now, I want to unpack this, and I want to parallel it with Psalm 27, because what I see in Mark chapter 10 is a parallel of the psalm that we just read in how to be strong, how to wait, and how to take 
heart. Now, it's interesting if you actually study to take heart, the, the phrase, and you look it up in the original language, take heart is oftentimes translated as cheer up. So when you read take heart in Psalms, in the Hebrew, that translates to take confidence or cheer up. In, in, in the Greek, in the New Testament, every time that take heart is mentioned, it actually is the same word for cheer up as it is to take heart. Take heart, cheer up, be confident, be encouraged. And in this story, blind Bartimaeus finds himself on the side of the road. He hears Jesus is coming. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. He hears Jesus is coming, and he has to, let me just give this to you, he has to wait for him. Psalm 27 says, wait for the Lord. To wait for the Lord is to make the Lord the clinging place of the soul, and therefore the resting place, and therefore the growing place. Your ability to wait is directly related to your ability to see. Blind Bartimaeus was sitting there and he did not know what was coming for him. He, he did not, we read the end of the story. So when we read it, we read with the end in mind. But blind Bartimaeus did not know that this was the day that he was no longer going to be blind. All he knew is that he heard that a man named Jesus was walking along the road that day. And that same man, Jesus, had healed some other people. So faith arose in his heart and he began to believe. But he had to still wait. See, sometimes we think that if we have an insurgence of faith then we will see at that moment. But this walk is not about see and believe. This walk is about believe and then you'll see. So the psalm says, wait for the Lord. And here is blind Bartimaeus waiting by the side of the road as Jesus comes closer the Bible says he begins to cry out to him let me tell you this your process is as important as your destination your process is as important as the place that you are going it is vitally important that you decide right now right here in this place today that no matter what storm you're facing that you will not lose heart that you will not be discouraged because you have no idea if Jesus might, just might be possibly walking towards you today. Blind Bartimaeus thought he would just beg for another day, but he didn't know that by waiting there in that place by the side of the road, his faith arose in his heart that he was actually, for the first time in his life, going to begin to see. Bartimaeus heard Jesus was coming, and he began to wait with expectancy, even to cry out. Let me just break down waiting for you. Some people think waiting is sitting back in the recliner, turning on Netflix, and waiting for God to come through. We like to say here, you have to work while you wait. You got to work while you wait. He knew Jesus was coming, so he began to cry out. He decided to put his faith into action, even though Jesus wasn't there yet, and Jesus hadn't stopped yet. He said, I'm just going to put my faith into action. The Bible says faith without works is dead. Sometimes while you're waiting, you still have to work. Well, I don't, pastor, I can't lead a group. I can't lead a ministry. I, I'm still waiting. Yeah, you got to work while you wait. That, 
That's part of your process, is working while you wait. That, that's part of this whole thing that God's trying to establish something in you and grow you. You've got to work while you wait. It, it's like people that, that want to start a business and they talk about it and they say, someday, 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 but they never take a step of faith. They, I'm not going to get a job because God called me to be a CEO. No, you got to get a job and you got to get some experience and you got to be excellent and you got to work and you got, you got to work while you wait. So you have to wait for the Lord. The second thing that we see in Psalm 27 is you have to be strong. This is part of the mission statement of our church. Know God, be strong. But you have to be strong. You know, it's, it's easier to say than it actually is to do. We find in the story of blind Bartimaeus that the crowd actually tells him to be quiet. See, this is how strong your faith has to be. That in the midst of a crowd telling not just a person, but the, cra- the consensus, the popular vote telling you to be quiet, you have to be able to lift your voice. You have to be able to stir your faith, even though everything around you is ridiculing you and making fun of you and saying, God, where is God? You're in the middle of this storm? Well, God must have forgot about you. God must have not really cared about you. You're going to believe in him? You're still going to have faith even though your family is going through this? You prayed for them and didn't get healed, and you're still going to believe? See, To take heart, you have to have an element of strength, even in the midst of adversity or even in the midst of opposition. You know know when people people loved blind, blind Bartimaeus? I'll tell you when they loved him. They loved him when he was begging. This is how people love. This is really how people love. We love. We can love the down and out. But when the down and out get up, People ridicule. Did you, did you know that the people that are talking bad about you are never above you? They're always below you. That, that's, that's just, the people that criticize, they're never above you. They're, they're always below you. You know, the people, people that, that, that talk about uh, all kinds of different things about faith or, or about uh, generosity, about tithing, giving, people that talk about it are usually struggling in their own life. And because they don't, they have to criticize something. I have never had someone with wealth or with money have a problem with generosity it's all the the people without so you have to take this into consideration is that when you're moving forward in your faith the people that are naysaying you and the haters that are trying to pull you down are the people that are below they don't want to see you get up they love blind Bartimaeus when he was a beggar throw him a token because we feel better than But when blind Bartimaeus starts to make a ruckus, I'm just going to tell you, when you start to stand up and be what God's called you to be, there will be people that can't handle it. There will be people that will criticize you. There will be people that will oppose you. The truth is not always popular. What the Bible says is not always popular. But there has to be a strength in the people of God that says, in the face of opposition, I will not be swayed. This is what we need in the church, is a steadfastness, a resolution a desire and a stance that says we will not be moved by what is popular or by what is accepted. We will be strong in what is written and what has been established. Let me just say this about you. You're, you're stronger than you think you are. You're stronger than you think you are. It's just that when disappointment hits you for so long, you begin to feel weak. And, and, and it's normal. Everybody goes through this. That's why the Bible says don't grow weary in doing good. 
because weariness is a real deal. This is why the Bible all throughout the scripture, it says, take heart or be encouraged because it's almost as if God knew that we might lose heart. So it, it, there is not a condemnation for being weak, but there is a command to be strong. Joshua chapter one, verse nine, it says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now I want you to see this. It's a command to be strong. If you were to command someone to do something, it would be very rare that you would command them to do something that they were unable to do. A command is usually given to get something, someone to do something that they already have the capacity or they have the ability to, you could be stronger than you think you are. Because when God looks at you, he looks at you like he looks at Joshua, and he says, be strong. And then we want to give him like a list of excuses why we can't be strong. Well, don't you know I'm a beggar? Don't you know I'm blind? Don't you know I've been sitting by this road? Don't you know people have been telling me to be quiet? Don't you know people have been making fun of me? They've been tweeting about me. They've been Facebooking about me. I, I just don't know. No, be strong. Well, that's a little unsympathetic to our pain. No, God is very sympathetic to your pain. The Bible says that we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us, but we have a high priest in Jesus that has been tested in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. So he knows what you're going through. He is not unsympathetic to your pain, but he is also very keen to your ability. So when he sees you, wavering under the weight of the storm with his command to be strong is not one of, of just brash and, and, and unsympathetic command to you. It is one of compassion because he knows it's in you. Be strong. Be strong. Well, God, we're, we're, aren't we just amazing excuses? Well, this and this and this. He says it's in you. Be strong. Muster your strength. Dig your heels in and wait for the Lord. The third thing that we see in Psalm 27 is it actually is the command of our series. It says to take heart. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Take heart actually means like we've talked about to have more confidence. To have more courage. To Cheer up. You have to actively take heart. It, it, it's an action word. It is, he didn't say, I'm going to give you heart. He said, you have to take heart. I, I'm, I'm not going to give you confidence. You've got to take up confidence. I'm not going to give you courage. I want you to take up courage. So what he's saying is, I've made it available to you. I've placed it in you, but now it's your job to, to take, it, take it up. So cheer up. Maybe this is the word that God's trying to speak to us in the first message of this series, is just to look at you and look at your storm and just say, cheer up. Cheer up. How unsympathetic would it be if in the midst of your situation for someone to come up and just say, cheer up. Hey, just cheer up. It's like, can, do you not see what I'm going through? Really? I mean, like, do you not see everything that I'm walking through? People are like, just cheer up. Just, just be happy. 
People that struggle with major depression, can, can you imagine someone just coming up and say, just be happy. Just stop doing that and do this. Which, you know, sometimes that's the best counseling is just stop. Stop it. Just whatever. Stop it. Just stop. It, I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's hard and it feels unsympathetic unless you understand the power that comes behind it. The Bible says in my weakness, he is made strong. So if God's asking something from me or commanding me to be something, then he's actually enabled me to be it. So he says, wait for me, I'm coming. He says, be strong, it's in you. And then he says, take heart because it's available for you. If you don't take heart, you'll lose heart. It doesn't really, it doesn't really feel like it's, it can be a lot of options. It's just you take it or you lose it. You take it or you lose it. It's a quote that I found that says, let the heart be strengthened and the whole machine of humanity is filled with power. A strong heart makes a strong arm. I was listening to Bishop T.D. Jakes years ago, and, and uh, he just he wrote a book last year uh, on, called Instinct, and uh, he, it was inspired by a trip uh, to Africa that he made. He was on a safari, and uh, he was with a, a guide uh, that was kind of telling them all about the different animals and that they were seeing, and there was uh, these giraffes that were huge, and, and uh, they, were, they were talking about it, and, and, and so they're, 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 he, Bishop is very interested and intrigued and begins to have conversation, and he finds out through this conversation that giraffes actually have one of the largest hearts of all animals. It's like the only other animal that has a larger heart, I think, is, is a whale, uh, the blue whale, and, and his heart can weigh up to 25 pounds. And the reason that his heart is so big is because that heart has to pump so far. So if you're living at this level, you don't need much heart. But if you're going to live at this level, you need a bigger heart. So it might be important for you not to just take what you have or lose what you had, but it might be important for you to take heart because you need a big heart to pump a lot of blood up to the level which you're living on. God did not call you to live on some low level, low playing field. God called you to climb above your situation, your circumstance, your storm, your issue. You're called to live on another level. You're called to live on a different level. You're called to live on a high place. The Bible says that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His thoughts are higher than mine, which means I have to get on another level. To be able to think like he thinks, to be able to see what he sees, to be able to understand what he understands, but to get on his level and to think his thoughts, I have to take heart. Some people can never attain what God has for them is because they've never learned the practice of taking, you need a big heart. You need a lot of heart, which means you need a lot of confidence. You need a lot of courage. And you also need to, and I know it's going to sound unsympathetic, but you need to cheer up. You, 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 need, you need to cheer up. You need to look at your storm and cheer up. You, you need to look at what is facing you and, and cheer up. You need to see that whatever is coming against me is not going to be the end of me. Whatever is coming against me is proving to strengthen me for whatever God has for me in the future. So we 
are strong and we take heart. And you know what it says? We're going to repeat because the scripture repeats it. It says again, to wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord, be strong, take heart, and then wait for the Lord. It repeats itself almost as if this must be really important, this waiting piece. I feel like, I mean, I've been serving God for a little while, but I feel like this waiting piece is really important to God because it seems like everything that God wants to give us involves a waiting period. You know what I love about modern technology and I love about Amazon Prime is that the waiting is getting less and less. I love that. I love that the waiting period is just, it's just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And it's just pretty much you order and it shows up. It's just it's magical. It, it, it's wild. And I wish that was the case for the kingdom of God, but it, it is not. Because your waiting is a part of your development. Your attitude when you're waiting shows a lot about you. If you can keep heart when you can't see, that tells me something about you. Because i got to unpack this just a little bit further because it says in, in this passage with blind Bartimaeus, it says that he called out to Jesus. We think, oh, that's amazing. He called out to Jesus. And Jesus called out to him. That's amazing. And Jesus says, come to me. And we're like, yes, man, that's awesome. He's blind. He, he's, he's blind. Jesus had two good feet. Could he have not just walked back and went to him, but blind Bartimaeus has to get up, and he says, Marco, 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 because he's blind. But it's interesting that the people around blind Bartimaeus, they said, cheer up. He's calling you. Not he healed you. Not he brought you through. Not you can see now. Just that he's calling you. Yeah, he is calling me. So now my journey is faith. I just, I just have to, I just, he hadn't been healed yet. He, he couldn't see. But Jesus called him. Be strong, take heart. And all his friends are saying, we were ridiculing you, but now we're going to say, cheer up. He's calling you. Yeah, but the problem with him calling me is that I have to come to him. See, this is, the, this is the challenge. This is the crux of taking heart is that when God calls you, there is a blind walk of faith that you must continue on. And you cannot give up and you cannot grow weary. You have to be strong and you have to take that heart and you have to wait, 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 wait. And while you wait, walk. And while you wait, walk. And while you wait, walk. And by the time... Watch this. By the time he got to Jesus, Jesus said, your faith healed you. Oh, your, your, that four hours of sleep got me good last night. I still got like adrenaline or something. Your, your faith, your, so God was trying to get you in your waiting period to take heart and to have faith because he was trying. The only reason he had the blind man come to him is because he knew if he had the faith to walk from there to here, by the time he got to here, his faith would be so galvanized and so strong that sight would come back in his eyes and he could see. And so Jesus said, 
Your faith healed you. Everything that God's trying to do in your life right now is to try to get you to walk blind. And it's not going to be his touch that gives you sight. It's going to be your faith. It's going to be your faith. Charles Spurgeon says, wait at his door with prayer. Wait at his foot with humility. Wait at his table with service. And wait at his window with expectancy. I love that. I love that picture of just waiting for the Lord. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. It says, wait at his door with prayer. Wait at his foot with humility. Wait at his table. This is working while you wait. But all the while, you're watching the window to see when he shows up. You know what? I was watching that fight last night. And I was thinking about it this morning. And, and if you don't know, Conor McGregor's a UFC fighter, and, and so Floyd Mayweather is an undefeated boxer, and uh, he's 49-0 and 0 going into last night, and uh, Conor McGregor has challenged him, and uh, first ever in, in history that a UFC fighter has fought a boxer, and so he's coming into the ring, and uh, every, um, Conor McGregor's an amazing fighter, but everyone, I mean, Floyd Money Mayweather is the man, you know, he's in there, I'm switching who I'm rooting for, like about every two punches, like, come on, Conor, no! Come on, Money Mayweather. I'm switching back and forth. And you know what's really interesting is at the end of the fight, after Floyd, Floyd won, they're interviewing him, and he said, this was our game plan to outlast him, to wear him down, just to, just to, just to wear him out and wait. He, he knew that if he got him far enough into the rounds. See, after round three, some people thought, Connor's got this. Because Connor came out looking sharp, punching hard. Not like the enemy comes at you. Comes out of the gate swinging. Not that Connor McGregor's the enemy, okay? So don't, don't email me. But that's how the enemy comes out. I mean, he just comes out, just guns blazing. All of a sudden, you're kind of on your defense. Like, oh, man, I took, took a couple hits. But God's game plan is to wait it out. And if you don't know his game plan, you will never take heart. Because after three rounds, if you could have changed all the bets, some people were getting a little nervous in Vegas, and they started thinking, uh-oh, this might be the greatest upset of all time. But the, the fight wasn't over. At three rounds, it went ten. I got great news for somebody. Your fight is not over in round three. It's not over in round two. Your fight's going to full 12, and you got to wait it out. If you don't quit, you win. Cheer up. Jesus is calling you. Cheer up. He is waiting on your faith. Cheer up. You're not done yet. You're not finished yet. This is round three. We got 12 rounds to go. You've got to wait it out, and God will show up for you if you don't give up you will win you can stand up to your feet let me say this don't make a determination on your outcome too early in your fight don't make a determination on your outcome too early in your fight I felt from the Lord this morning that some of you some of you, just, just nobody moving for a second. Nobody moving. Everybody hold still. Just hold still just for a second. This is serious. If you're leaving, just wait. This is serious business. If you're a lead team member, wait till we pray, okay, and then you can leave. This is serious. 
because I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me this morning. And he said that some people were calling their own fight. And the fight was not finished yet. I felt it so strong in my spirit that some of you came into this worship experience. And you're in, it, you're in the ring, but you have lost your heart. And I'm telling you by the Spirit of God that if you would decide this morning to pick up what you've lost, to take heart, God would begin to smile on your process and God would begin to smile on your round and you would feel a resurgence of faith and vitality and energy and know that it may be round three, but this fight is going the full 12 and I read the end of the book and the book says I win. So I'm in it to win it. I'm in it for all 12. I won't back down I won't let up. I won't give up. I'm here for the long haul. And so are you, my friend, because what has been blind in your past, you will see, but not from a touch. From your faith. From your faith. From your faith. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.